Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight we are recapping the week's nerdy news from Madripoor to the picket lines and everywhere in between. My name is Mike Gibson. With me is always Steve Haller. What's up, up, and away, Steve? Well, we uh, we seem to be just living in Hollywood lately. You know, we normally live yeah. in Hollywood with what we talk about, but it seems like all the news is coming directly out of uh, out of some some major happenings in Hollywood right now. Uh, yeah, like real events, yeah. not just not um, fictional. Right, not once yeah. upon a time in Universes. Hollywood, like legit from Hollywood, California. And right, not so multiverses, Bur- our specific universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so, yeah, we have a pretty big show tonight or a lot to talk about tonight. And as I said on the Instagram video I posted earlier, this is maybe the last big week of news uh, we have to talk about for quite some time um, because of the strikes now, plural, which we're going to get to in a second. We're going to talk about the uh, WGA and SAG AFTRA strike. We're going to talk about new cast members coming to the uh the film Superman Legacy. We're going to talk about uh, some other DC stuff, new trailer for Blue Beetle. I saw a film called Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I'll give some spoiler-free th- spoiler thoughts on that. We're talking about um, Wolverine, looking like Wolverine, and we got some comic stuff, as always. Um, I do really quick just want to shout out because this event I've mentioned a couple times in this is getting closer. I'm going to be um, selling comics my own comics, I should say. I'm going to be a vendor at an upcoming um, Star Wars slash Star Trek themed burlesque show happening in Syracuse, New York at the Palace Theater on August 12th. The event's called Trek Wars. It's being put on by a burlesque duo called the Sinisters. So uh, if you follow the Sinisters on social media or if you look up Trek Wars burlesque show on eventbrite.com, you can get tickets. Tickets are available right now. Uh, it's going to be two full acts full of um, awesome burlesque performers coming out, either dressed as a Star Trek character or a Star Wars character. And uh, before the show and during intermission, there's going to be like a mini comic convention going on in the lobby. I am going to be one of the uh, tables at that mini con. So check that out. Um, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to um, mention that. Uh, also wanted to mention that uh, this show is brought to you by Funky Town Comics and Vinyl in uh, the town of Camillus, New York. Um, and, uh, we, this is the, the second, our second week, uh, having a sponsor. Yep. I think it's going good so far. Uh, we actually have some, um, comic reviews that we're going to be doing later in the week. Uh, we got some. By later in the week, he means later in the episode. I mean, later today. Technically <laughs> later. it is later in the week. That's how time works. However. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking wrong. about it within the hour. Yes, I'm not wrong, but I did misspeak. Uh, within the hour, we'll be talking about uh, reviewing some upcoming books that are coming out this week. We got advanced copies of from our uh, partners at Funky Town Comics, so stay tuned for that. Anyway, all that business out of the way. Diving into Strike Watch, um, which is a little segment we started when the WGA was about to go on strike, and now SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild, actors from television radio, as well they're all on strike um they could not reach an agreement after extending the deadline for like 12 days or something they still didn't um come up with anything um right before they announced that sag was going on strike um 
there was a a deadline article that came out. There was an unnamed studio exec that gave this quote to the deadline. Basically, the the article was saying in general, like regardless of the whether or not those actors go on strike, studios don't have any plans to sit down with the writers anytime soon. And this one quote regarding the WGA strike again came from an unknown studio executive said. Quote, the end game is to allow things to drag on until union members start losing their apartments and losing their houses. Mm-hmm. That was a legit quote that somebody thought would someone thought that would be a good idea to give that quote <laughs> to a major um, outlet, major news outlet. Uh, it's wild. Um, and something that crazy you would initially think like, oh, it might not be. But I mean, it's deadline. They're usually pretty reliable as far as reporting and. Yeah. And whatnot. So it's not like they just threw that one out there. Like that's. Yeah, exactly. That's probably a legit quote that somebody actually said to them. Yeah. And not off the record. They would not print on that. That's a legit. Yes, you can say this. Just don't put my name to it. And that person is really glad they didn't put their name to it because, wow, that's heartless. That's some heartless shit right there. Um, But I feel like in a lot of cases we're dealing with heartless people. (laughs) As we uh, know, we're dealing with uh, corporate greed. In its uh, in some of its biggest forms, so, um, yeah, not cool. I think uh, was it the the midnight of the twelfth? I think the twelfth of August was the last, was the uh, the final day, and um, so it wasn't officially announced until the next day. But it was um, clear that the actors would be going on strike. I guess the unions had to meet and make it official the next day. Um, but I believe it was that night, or I don't know, maybe it was the next day. I'm like. It was reported like the cast of Oppenheimer all walked out during their premiere yeah. when they heard that the SAG was going on strike. So like actors take this seriously. Mutant members are taking this seriously as they should. Um, there's been a lot of um, uh, actors from, you know, all all levels, you know, working actors, background actors up to somebody like Matt Damon, who I heard um, gave a very, um, you know, uh, we have to stand. We have to make sure that we are holding out until we get a better deal for those of us that are working actors, for our members that are working actors. And he's not talking about himself. He's a multimillionaire. He right. doesn't need he could, necessarily. He could do whatever. He, he could do whatever. But at the same time, he is he's an example of actors that are being outspoken and saying, nope, this is what we have to do. We're on strike because, right. you know, not all of us are multimillionaires right. like myself. So the, the people um, that that first quote was about. Uh, that are going to lose their houses and their right, exactly. food and yeah. whatnot are not as affected. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, did you see uh, the video that Ron Perlman posted by any chance? <laughs> yes. That was going around? Yeah. Uh, Talk about fiery. Look up on... Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We, um, even though we're not a kid-friendly podcast, we still cannot repeat what Ron Perlman stated. Yeah, I can say one thing that he said. It, it was a response to the quote about uh, we're going to, you know let these union members lose their apartments and houses. He looking directly into camera, talking to studio CEO said, Hey, there's more than one way to lose a house. Yeah. Basically like threatening to burn down their mansions. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> wow. That dude is hardcore. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Hellboy so was... you could say. Yeah. Yeah. True to his name. <laughs> Um, chief demands among both unions, they're striking for increased minimums for their lowest paid members. They want protection from replacement and duplication uh, by AI, 
systems, which are right. getting dangerously more popular. Um, and they also want streaming residuals that fall in line with television residuals. Um, now, like residuals are, you know, fees and you know money that you get paid the more your show is on the air. You wrote an episode of a show; it's it's in reruns. You get paid right. every time it's on reruns. You get, you know, if the reason you, Jerry Seinfeld is still getting paid for syndicated yes, episodes. Exactly. Of- yeah. yeah. So it used to be like before, like streaming it was like if your show, if you were in a network show and it got picked up for syndication, meaning it was going to be on like reruns every day when kids get home from school, like you were set. But streaming services don't abide by those same residual rules. And a matter of fact, re- streaming services don't even issue the numbers, the number of people that watch that show mm-hmm. ever. Like Netflix uh, started it. Netflix was like the first big game in streaming. And they never uh, announced any of their uh, numbers, uh, clear numbers. Like how actually how many people are actually watching Stranger Things? We don't know. How many people are actually watching whatever movie that you're talking about? We don't know. No one and no streamers do that. And there's two explanations for that, really. It's either that, you know, I I read something similar to this online and it made a lot of sense to me. So I figured might as well talk about it while we're talking about the strike. It's either that. The numbers of views are huge and they're so huge that they own, they owe tons of residuals, residuals to that, these yeah. actors and writers and everybody, crew members, you know, that they're just not paying and they're getting away with keeping those profits because they're and not paying everybody or the numbers are so small that they are just hiding them to further like bolster their own image um, kind of like trying to over justify their own existence while in <laughs> steering the industry towards total collapse, right. which is what we're kind of looking at right here. Like, you know, Steve, you and I have talked about ever since David Zaslav came, uh, took over Warner Brothers and started canceling stuff and throwing stuff in the garbage for no reason um, to save money. We kind of looked at that as like, yeah, streaming is the streaming bubble is burst. Like people are realizing well, they're I not mean, making enough money. They're sinking hundreds of million dollars into a movie that people watch once over a weekend and then never think about ever again. Like that's not a good business model. Zaslav himself could have hypothetically saved at least a couple of movies because I don't know if you saw, but uh, earlier today it came out. He's made four hundred and fifty-eight million over the last five years. Yeah. Yes. He's the highest paid <laughs> executive in the in the yes. industry by a hundred by a hundred million dollars. It's not even close. Yeah, like Bob Iger, CEO of Disney, was like number four on yeah, that list or something. Uh, like five, I think. He was like four or five. Yeah, yeah the insane. two. It was the and, two Netflix guys, the guy who runs WWE and UFC. Uh, I think was three, or it was yeah. Either way, like him and the two Netflix guys were in between Zaslav and Iger, and Iger was yeah. at like a hundred and something, which is still ridiculously stupid money. It but is wild comparatively. It's like, uh, what is Zaslav doing? <laughs> uh, well, this is a bit of a tangent, but because we're talking about the amount of money that these studios have yeah. and are claiming poverty, um, I bookmarked this thread on Twitter, and it's not that long, but I'm going to read it. It's from a guy named Daniel Powell. It says, if you are curious about a way Hollywood hits, uh, about a way Hollywood hits that make way more money than they could than they cost, still somehow are reported as losing money thus denying profit participation to the creators, here's one way. Most movies have a dedicated LLC formed to handle the business of the film. You typically see the name of it somewhere in small print near the end of the credits. This LLC is usually created by the studio. So a studio creating its own LLC to finance a film. 
He goes on to say, when the film is financed, the studio loans the money to the LLC with interest. So even when the LLC has paid off all production costs, the initial profits go to paying off the studio's loan to itself. If the studio created the LLC, it often has the contractual power to renegotiate the terms of the loan indefinitely. So if there is ever a danger of the film actually paying off the loan, they can just increase the interest rate. Therefore, on a highly successful film, the studio makes a ton of money on the interest from loaning money to its own subsidiary. But on paper, the film is in perpetual debt and is never technically profitable in a way that benefits profit participants even decades later. How in the hell is that legal? How is that legal? That is a scam and a half, man. Scam and a half. Because I saw somebody, I saw John Cusack tweeted, he's been very active on Twitter. If like, I know Twitter is dying, but if any of you out there want more like on the ground knowledge of this strike and like what actors are going through, what writers are going through, some great people to follow on Twitter. John Cusack has been tweeting about it like crazy. Um, Stephen DeKnight, uh, writer for Buffy and Angel and Daredevil. Um, yep. Uh, he's been t- tweeting about it a lot. There's some really great um, resources on social media. And I saw um, John Cusack tweeting about um, Say Anything and how that was a movie that is still being reported as uh, at a loss despite coming out 30 years ago <laughs> or whatever. Um, and he you know, still gets his residual checks from it, but the studio is clearly claiming poverty on that movie and still making money off of its loan to itself for Say Anything a long time ago. Same with Men in Black. I, re- I read a couple people talking about that too, so... Um, some dirty pool the studios are playing while still crying uh, foul and claiming poverty and not wanting to pay writers and actors um, fair shake. Um, one of the biggest things, the a- as far as the AI is concerned, uh, apparently this came out when um, Fran Drescher, who's uh, president of SAG-AFTRA. Who I haven't thought um, about Fran Drescher for a long time. And she, quite I, some time. I, I listened to that uh speech she gave yeah i was gonna say monologue but yeah uh it was yeah yeah and it was like yeah okay like she may not be acting anymore but she's killing it yes yeah she gave a very uh impassioned um speech when the union was um announcing that they were going to be going on strike um apparently one of uh apparently something that the studios proposed to sag aftra during negotiations that all background actors, and back just side note, background actors make up sixty percent of the SAG-AFTRA union. Like again, yeah. like we said, not everybody's Matt Damon, not everybody's Jennifer Lawrence or whoever. You know, background actors make up most of the union. The studios uh, want background actors. Uh, they're saying the background actors could be paid for one day's work, be scanned digitally for their likeness, and then the studios would be able to own their likeness forever and use it in any form without any additional pay or consent. They also said that they don't think that they should have to pay or get permission to use AI or digital doubles for anyone who is dead. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call bullshit on this one. Um, And it's funny because there's another industry that we talk about on a weekly basis that effectively had this happen to it where marvel and dc and all of that any of their creations from all of the artists are all oh yeah proprietary to the company those are are all work for hires yeah right so what like but you're talking about the difference between batman who's a fictional character and and a a real life person 
Yeah. Saying that, yeah, I'll pay you for one day, take a digital picture of your face, and then I'll just put you in whatever, the sequel to, you know, I'll put you in Avatar 3 in the background without telling you or paying you. You know what I mean? Well, and that's, I mean, in my my brain, I was like, I was equating the fact that we've already had an industry go through something similar to this, where it's like, of course, (laughs) they shouldn't agree to it. There's nothing that would say they ever should. And no, of course not. Like, go yeah. look at comic artists from the '60s and '70s and see, like, how much not you know not uh, not Lee and Kirby and whatever, but like, right? John Q. Public's uh, estate is worth now, even though he you know invented Martian Manhunter or whoever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Come on, <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's no. It's just insane. It's just dumb. It's how could the studios possibly think that? they would agree to that anybody would go for that i know i know oh we'll give it's crazy 200 bucks it's fine it's 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 a play to literally erase the job of background actors right and to just never have to pay any background actor ever again yeah um and to just ruin the industry (laughs) like the acting industry for sure like that's just such a terrible idea also also, like those background actors you know expand in their careers and (laughs) Like people don't always yeah. start as leading roles. It's like yeah, exactly. You're you're killing your farm system here. It's like it's like in baseball if they just cut the you know double A, triple A, single A teams like out of the equation. Like yeah. what are you doing? All the all the yeah. training that you're doing is gone. <laughs> and they're doing that same thing. I mean, they we talked about this a little. We, uh, we well we talked about AI when uh, the writers first went on strike yep. because the studios were saying like oh we'll just use AI to write scripts like. I, and I, I just read a quote earlier today from Simon Pegg was asked about it um, when he was doing promotion for Mission Impossible. And he said, um, yeah, sure, AI might be able to write a script, but it's going to be terrible because AI hasn't had life experience. It's only looking at what is already out there. So mm-hmm. it's never going to come up with anything original. It's all just going to be mediocre. Yeah. And like great art is a fight against mediocrity. So like, you know, I think he said something like, uh, you know, AI is never had a childhood trauma. AI has never had its heart broken. Like AI is, uh, doesn't have life experience to draw from to make great art. It's only just going to be cannibalizing stuff that already exists, which is just going to lead to a ton of mediocrity. They're entirely, entirely right. And that's the same thing with this. Like you're just going to start digitizing everyone. Like movies already look super fake. <laughs> like I don't need the actors to start looking super fake, even if they're just a waiter in a background scene. Like you're you're shooting yourselves in the head studios i don't understand yep. just to save money and line your own pockets yeah and to keep the um, the sports analogies going uh we just had uh brian rollins in the chat uh mentioned it's very similar to what we just went through in college sports with the nil stuff where for years the ncaa has been able to get away with using the likeness of all these college athletes who are quote-unquote amateurs and you know mm. not a exact parallel but for years they were able to get away with the using the name image and likeness of these kids and not none of the kids yeah. could use their own like Syracuse uh, we're, we're local local to Syracuse here for anyone listening Syracuse got put on probation for their basketball program uh, for a couple of mm-hmm. kids working at the YMCA down the road and some other like uh, there there was other things going on but it's like one of the violations was kids working during the summer at a YMCA and it was like Insane. none of this makes sense. Like uh, yeah. EA Sports, a, a major conglomerate in video games, uh, used to put these these college sports games out, 
and not like they would have all the statistics for the players in but not put their names in and not have to pay anybody or anything outside of the NCAA. And it's just like same kind of concept where it's, it just isn't right. And it just doesn't make sense. But you all have billions of dollars. Just pay people, just (laughs) pay people. That's it. Just pay people. And like, I've read a bunch of uh, quotes saying like, uh, you know, pointing out like, there's no way that the studios are going to survive this. Like they're, like, why did they ask for that extension of like twelve days or whatever? If they weren't really gonna like truly yeah. negotiate, like they're like they're just gonna lose tons of money over the next few months, and then eventually come back to the table when their their business starts collapsing. But they can and write it off. They can write it off, but like, I also think like there's a difference between. I think the studios think like, oh yeah, these people are gonna lose their houses or whatever, yeah. and like. That may be true, but also like the studios need people to do this. And they're like, they're like studio executives don't know how to write a movie. They've never have. I'm sure 90% of them never have, and they don't know how to write and they don't know how to act for sure, or they'd be writing and acting. Um, But uh, there's like you said, you're cutting off your, your farm. But the, the thing is that like the, the writers and the actors, I mean, again, not the Matt Damons, but like the, the working actors. Yep. They need their this is their livelihood. This is their life. This is how they make money. It is how they earn a living. They need to be on strike for better wages. They need to get paid more to survive. So like for them, it's about survival. For the CEOs, it's just about like, oh, I'm making slightly less money than I was yesterday. You right. know? So like I don't think they're gonna wait out. The, I, I think that the studios are really shooting themselves in the foot left and right. Well, and uh, on this. top of that, one of those CEOs you mentioned had another wonderful, wonderful quote. Who, I mean, yeah. For and it's funny because of all CEOs of various companies, we've defended Bob Iger, uh, yeah, on this podcast for various other things, but this was a bit of an egregious misstep from him. Uh, it's a uncharacteristic publicity misstep, yeah. I think. From Bob Iger, who came out swinging against uh, these uh, unions, um, uh, Bob Iger in the last two years has made fifty-four million dollars um, from working uh, CEO of Disney, and he just signed uh, to stay on until two thousand twenty-six with some kind of bonus that a part of his contract was like a bonus that he might get five hundred percent of his annual salary at the end of the year, <laughs> like if like an insane amount of money. Oh, yeah. Which is funny because when when that got like tossed around our chat i think this was earlier in the week before all of this dropped and the quote dropped and in my brain i was like oh we can you know talk about Iger actually you know getting extended and it meaning probably good things for the disney brand and what's going on and then this comes out and it's like well that just pivoted (laughs) yeah yeah um he gave an interview that uh called the demands of the unions unrealistic and that everything was happening at a very bad time for the industry and uh, that he's very disappointed that this has happened and it's very disruptive. Strikes are supposed to be disruptive. That's like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point, Bob. Um, and he gave the statement while he was in attending a billionaire's retreat with a lot of other uh, studio heads, Mark Zuckerberg also, and uh, people like that. So how do we get invited most... to a billionaire's retreat? How do we get what? Invited. I think we have to be a billionaire, Steve. Oh, okay. Well, we're screwed then. Yeah, we're screwed. Um, 
So just like a super tone deaf response. Um, like, yeah, I know maybe, yeah, streaming is starting to collapse. So yes, this is quote unquote, a bad time for uh, a strike, but you know whose fault that isn't the writers and the actors that you haven't been paying well for years, years, you know, years. So, um, you know, it, it, it has nothing to do with their content structure or their model or any of that. It's all right. It's all these, it's all these, uh, greedy writers and actors that are striking. It's not, Mm. it's not the way that you set up the entire industry. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Or left in, in his case, he leapt to join the streaming industry. Like Disney plus was like his baby when he was before the time and his time away from Disney, he was pushing Disney plus yeah. harder than that was like his big thing. Now at the same time for clarification, uh, I don't know if pushing, uh, as much content as Disney plus is right now. It was his idea. Uh, yeah, we're going to come, we're going to come back to that later. Oh, we are. I should probably yeah, look that's at the rundown. Thing. Shouldn't I? That's fine. That's in the Marvel section. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll come back to Bob Iger in a little bit. Uh, but we'll in a little bit, we'll read a quote from Bob Iger that's not nearly as egregious as one we just read. Um, I, I'll say one other thing before we move on to actual like nerdy news stuff is that um, I, if you any of you saw the Instagram live thing I did um, an hour before we recorded here, I mentioned that I was seeing things online and I wasn't sure whether or not um, – uh, I, I was seeing conflicting reports on what is scabbing behavior, what is crossing a picket line, what is not scabbing behavior, what is not crossing a picket line for um, everybody from uh, journalists, entertainment journalists down to uh, influencers, podcasters and people that just post their opinions on TikTok of movies and things like that. And I was seeing conflicting reports of like all of this. If you are if you are just posting a review of a movie that you saw on Instagram or TikTok, you're crossing the picket line or no, you have to be a member or whatever of SAG. And or if you're doing that, then you're crossing the picket line. So I was like, whoa, what can can I not talk about Mission Impossible tonight? Can I like what's uh, I know? Like, yeah, I don't pay union dues, so I'm not crossing any picket line. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like it it turned like I found some clear seemingly clarification that as long like it's for members of the unions can't be doing that. Um, and if you are being paid by a studio, like if Bob Iger sends us a check to like give, you know, whatever, right. if we were, review, you know, we're, we're talking about the, the comic reviews later, if like Marvel or DC is yeah. cutting us a check to get these early reviews out, it's one thing. Yeah. If, yeah, well, like we're going to do a secret invasion recap after this episode. And if like, if Disney was paying us to do that, that would be crossing a picket line behavior for the record. So, they are not, they are not. And we're just doing it. Um, of our own free will. So we'll continue to review films as we see them and shows as we see them. But, you know, I don't know what, I don't even know what next week is going to look like at this point. This, like I said early at the top of the show, this might be the last week for uh, actual nerdy news announcements for a while. So Steve, Steve and I have a couple we ideas. ideas. We, we got places uh, we're going to go. Ways so. to switch things up. Um, Stay tuned. In the, in the interim. If but we anyway, can we talk, about if we can talk a, 26 minutes on the strike, then uh, I think we're good. We'll figure something out for sure. <laughs> um, anyway, here's some actual nerdy news for you. Uh, some things that there's a lot of things that actors can't do while they're on strike, at least in um, uh, you know official promotion um, uh, instances. Like you know they they can't 
go on talk shows and they can't you know, to promote movies and they can't um, you know make any promotional appearance or whatever in doing promotion. They can't sign new deals to star in movies. They can't attend premieres. They you know all that. They can go places, just not in a, like an official being paid by a studio to be there um, capacity. So I envisioned, uh, as we got these announcements we're about to talk about, um, the day of or the day before the strike, I just envisioned James Gunn on the phone with people until midnight trying to cast people in <laughs> Superman Legacy right before the strike went. Like, we got to get um, him. <laughs> we got to get him. Get him back on the phone. Get him back on the phone. Uh, and we got some. We got some big news on the Superman Legacy cast. Now, big is an arguable term. I don't know that any of these are going to be like main characters, but they're still big announcements to be made. And the and biggest of relatively which relatively big names too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the biggest of which is um, uh, Nathan Fillion has been cast as Green Lantern, specifically Green Lantern Guy Gardner. In Superman Legacy. Now, Nathan Fillion, no stranger to the world of nerds, um, playing Captain Malcolm Reynolds on Firefly in the movie Serenity. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also appeared in Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 3, a hilarious uh, small role in that movie. He's a, a friend of James Gunn's. He's been in a lot of James Gunn stuff. Um, and the Suicide and he's Squad, been, too. And he was in the Suicide Squad as the detachable kid. So, um, uh, not shocked that he's being cast into James Gunn production because they're close. And uh, one of the reasons this is cool is that he was a fan favorite to play Hal Jordan a long time ago um, when he was younger. Uh, and he was down for it, for sure. He actually even got to voice the character a few times um, in a few DC animated things. Um, uh, Guy Gardner, he's a, he's a, he's a popular Green Lantern character, but I can't say he's the A-list Green Lantern character. A lot of people know Hal Jordan. People know Jon Stewart. Um, Guy Gardner is maybe the third or fourth um, known Green Lantern. He was a big, uh, I guess he's around since like the late 60s or 70s, but he he really um, kind of hit his stride in the 80s. He was in a series called Justice League International, uh, where he was like the sole Green Lantern. Um, he's kind of like a lovable asshole. Okay. Um, uh, kind of like alpha male, but in a way that you can tell that he also has a good heart at the same time. Um, a little, he's kind of like the antagonist of the group, but always, you know, there to support them at the same time. He's playing, um, playing the Wolverine role. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, but also kind of like more full of shit than Wolverine is. Okay. you know what I mean. Like yep. you can tell, you can poke holes in his uh, arguments. Uh, James Gunn said about Guy Gardner, he said, I really love the character uh, from Justice League International, especially, but he also fits the story I'm trying to tell with Superman Legacy. Um, He also went on to clarify that uh, the Green Lantern series, the show that they're making for HBO Max, is not a separate thing and that Nathan Fillion will play Guy Gardner in all parts of the DCU, inferring or implying, I should say, that uh, Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner will appear in the Max Green Lantern series, which is, uh, I guess, was in development. I can't say that it's currently in development now that everybody's on strike. Um, So. I know, I know, uh, I know. You may not want to hear this, but you mentioned Green Lantern. Oh yeah, no, I know. So I, I, I almost put it on the rundown. Yeah. See, I know exactly what you're gonna say. I almost put it on the rundown, and I thought it's definitely gonna come up during the DC yeah, section. Yeah, yeah. As soon as, oh, yeah. as soon as Green Lantern was on the rundown, I'm like, I gotta bring it up. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't heard, 
it is now all but official that the Flash will yeah. uh, be the biggest bomb in DC uh, movie history, I believe. Not just DC movie history. It is the biggest flop in the history of Warner Brothers pictures. Wow. Did not realize yes. that. Uh, yep. So it officially will finish below the Ryan Reynolds much maligned Green Lantern. Made less money than Green Lantern. Um, and again, I think that's insane. I do. Too. That movie's good. That movie's good. Yeah. <laughs> like like I said just, in our review, it's not cinema, yeah. but I had a lot of fun with a bucket of popcorn and just watching the movie. Unrealistic levels of hatred for that movie. Yeah. Just. I mean, it had a lot of things I going against it. it. It had like everything it, is already tons. changing. It had yep. a complete lack of promotion. It had an extremely yep. problematic actor as the lead yep. uh there there was a whole like and i'm call me crazy but i wouldn't be surprised if we see the same thing for blue beetle and aquaman 2 i know and uh we're gonna talk about blue beetle in a little bit so we'll dive into more that yep. more um then but um i don't disagree but yeah that movie's good um but also the one of the biggest flops in uh, cinema history yep. <laughs> apparently um uh, but also, you know what? Maybe just don't spend that money on movies, that much money on movies anymore. I, maybe that's the other hopeful lesson maybe don't that do can that. come out of this kind of the whole situation between yeah. that and Dial of Destiny and uh, what else came out that was... Oh, uh, you mean the entire summer of movies that are right. underperforming? <laughs> like everything. Yeah. Out, if it, Well, again, uh, our friend in the chat, Brian Rollins, again, uh, bedtime for the industry. Every blockbuster without Tom Cruise is bombing. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we'll talk more about that later too. Talk more about that later too. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. If you want to see our full uh, flash review, you can go back a few weeks when we talk about it um, in depth, uh, having no idea that it would bomb as hard as it has bombed. Um, back to Superman Legacy. We also got Isabella Merced, uh, star of the live-action Dora the Explorer film, which I have not seen. Correct. Uh, has been cast as Hawk Girl. Awesome. We got a. Uh, Edie Gathegi from X-Men First Class played yeah, it was Darwin. Uh, Darwin. Darwin in X-Men First Which Class. Which was the worst uh, interpretation of Darwin possible, but whatever. We can yeah. go off on that tangent at a different time. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, not not, uh, not from his volition, but like what they did with the oh, character. Oh, no, no, no. The yeah. way, yeah, a character that's unable to die. Right. That dies. literally <laughs> adapts to everything dies. What? Yeah, except. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So weird. Um, uh, we'll, we'll Edie has been cast. We'll hold that for our uh, when the writer strikes in full swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For September when we're running out of things to talk about, and we're like, let's talk about all the X Men movies. That's don't hey, threaten me with knows? a good time. <laughs> it, it might happen. It might happen. Um, uh, anyway, Edie Gathegi has been cast as Mister Terrific, uh, smartest uh, smartest man in the DC universe, and we knew that this was coming. We've heard that Mister Terrific was on uh, James Gunn's wish list uh, for a long time. So he is officially going to be in the movie. And the day, I think the day of the strike, the day the strike was announced, or maybe the day before, very last minute, Anthony Kerrigan uh, from Barry, from Gotham, has been cast as Metamorpho, uh, which is, Steve, I don't know if you know who Metamorpho no is. I know he's uh, behind you. 
Yeah, this is the Metamorpho is the kind of uh, C list, D list, James Gunn kind of character that makes total sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how he's going to play into a Superman movie, but I love it. And like this character in the hands of James Gunn is like, yeah, you got it. Yes, Steve, behind me, I have the second appearance of Metamorpho in an issue of Brave and the Bold. That's awesome. Um, I, yeah, it is I awesome. Saw it, so I saw it behind you in the video. And I saw, thought it said Metamorpho the Elephant Man, and I was really confused. <laughs> no, so that very yeah, much element. changes as you bring that forward. Yes, Element Man. Um, he can change his body into different elements. Uh, it was like he was forced. Maybe he volunteered or was lied to about like a ex- science experiment. Yep. And um, now his, his in his regular state, his head, two sides of his torso, and each of his legs are like different colors or different elements. And then he can change his entire body into... Yeah. wood or fire or rock or whatever nice. um and uh it's kind of like a classic tale of um kind of like the thing where he's like got these cool powers but hates himself because mm. he's like an abomination it's that kind of thing with metamorpho um well that made me, so fantastic for uh mr terrific smartest man in the dcu uh go figure 20 years after he was uh he was created that mr fantastic <laughs> Happens to be the smartest guy in the Marvel universe. Dude, I did not even think of that. But yeah, you're right. The names are so similar. (laughs) I just I had to look up when Mr. Terrific was originally like uh, not the Michael Holt version, but the original version was 1940 something and Fantastic Four was 61. So, yeah, you're right. It's like, wow. hmm, Okay, let's let's go really close names. That's really funny. Um, again, yeah. Uh, it's funny that you bring up Fantastic Four because I was about to bring up Fantastic Four. I think it was like 2018. Uh, Jeff Lemire wrote a series called The Terrifics. I think it was like maybe 20 or 30 issues or something like that. Um, called The Terrifics. And it was a team that was Mr. Terrific. Yep. Smartest man in the DCU. Um, Metamorpho. Guy that so can change ben his body Graham. into different elements, including fire and, you know, rock. Uh, plastic Man. Okay. Super stretchy guy. And, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, Phantom Girl, who can't turn herself invisible, but she can turn herself intangible, like Kitty Pride okay. phasing through wall yeah, like power. phasing in that. So, just seeing Mr. Terrific and Metamorpho cast, like... <laughs> How is is They're, it possible are they gonna that have the, the Fantastic DC, Four movie first? Is the DCU gonna get to Fantastic Four before the MCU gets to Fantastic Four? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> that would be great because again, think about this: this Superman Legacy movie was announced six months ago, and we've got all these cast members. Fantastic Four two years ago, zero Still cast nothing. members announced. Yep. What's going on there? I get this is the benefit of. Um, one guy running a studio, writing and directing a movie. I think things move faster if you're, you know, you, there's only one level of uh, approval they have right. to get through. So, um, anyway, in other DC news, this is, I did not think, I forgot that this was even a possibility. Apparently, Constantine 2, the sequel to the Keanu Reeves 2005 um, Constantine movie, apparently, that's still happening. We got word close to a year ago must be at this point um, that that was going to happen. But then it was kind of up in the air when James Gunn and Peter Safran took over DC films. Uh, but the I writer, forgot, Akiva, I completely forgot that Akiva Goldsman was the one that was tied to this too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Goldsmith gave a uh, interview this past week, said, my pens are down, so there's nothing to do, referencing the writer's strike. But yeah, those are the next things I'm writing when I'm allowed to write again. And I, I had already begun. I am legend too when we started striking and uh, Francis and Keanu and I have have broken the story for Constantine too. I just haven't started typing it yet. So apparently it's going to I am legend too. also watch out Matt Peseta, our friend of the pod who <laughs> thinks I am legend is the scariest movie he's ever seen. Um, not a big horror, not a big horror fan, Matt. Other but. thing I did not realize Akiva Goldsman was the writer for Batman and Robin. Yes. He's so, been a Warner Brothers guy for a while. So yeah. he's got some hits and misses. That was a miss. <laughs> for sure. That was definitively a miss. Big miss. Big miss. So uh, that might still happen. Um, you know, James Gunn said that there are possibilities for other Elseworlds stories to be told outside of the main uh, line DCU films. And looks like Constantine 2, maybe one of them. We'll be interested to see if we get two Constantines as we're going to have two Batman. Same time, going to have Pattinson and then whoever in the DCU Batman is. If Keanu gets to make his Constantine too, we may have two Constantines. Um, Steve, what's that uh, face that you're just making? I was going through. Fate. I'm, I'm still going through Goldsman's like wiki. Uh, he produced Deep Blue Sea, oh, and all yeah. I can think of is the uh, Dave Chappelle Samuel Jackson skit. Yeah, that movie's um, that movie's bad, but it's a kind movie. Of, kind, <laughs> it's kind of fun. It's yeah. kind of fun. I think I watched it like within the last year and a half or two years or something and i was like this is bad but it's i'm laughing at it bad so in a good way something for me. <laughs> yeah yeah um i think the keanu the keanu resurgence is helping the constantine thing oh for sure so yeah the fact that he's wanted to make a sequel since 2005 right and people are falling all over themselves for the john wick franchise and right. stuff and everyone loves keanu Reeves. who doesn't love keanu Reeves? exactly so yeah he's uh, him and last girl they're like sorry, what's that i said him and dave Grohl. They're like in yeah. their respective uh, in their respective fields, like America's random uncle. They're like, oh, that's uh, the cool uncle. Yeah, they also don't look dissimilar. That's Long, dark true. hair, beards, graying beards. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, Maybe they're that's the same the person. Oh, they both play in wow. bands. That's true. Dog Star and Foo Fighters. Has Dogstar ever opened for Foo Fighters? I don't think so. I don't know. I've never seen him in the same place. All right. Your multiverse report conspiracy corner is over now. Uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Last piece of DC news. Uh, uh, we got a new trailer for Blue Beetle, the final trailer for Blue Beetle coming out uh, next month. Um, James Gunn has once again this week confirmed via social media that Blue Beetle will continue on into the DCU saying yes Blue Beetle and a handful of other characters will continue in the DCU even though the first DC Studios movie is Superman Legacy so uh, another confirmation that uh, Zolo Maraduena as Blue Beetle Jaime Reyes will continue on and he said a handful of other characters so wondering uh, who else will be moving on from this movie um and uh, might be somebody bigger than just a side character, as the as uh, Maraduena said in an interview this week. I think if you're a DC fan, there's going to be more than just one character that you recognize. I can tell you that. Um, kind of hinting that there may be some uh, other characters introduced. I still believe that Blue Beetle Ted Cord will be introduced in this movie. That's my theory. Right. Um, there's a whole theory. Cord Industries thing and... There's a whole court industries thing. You see his uh, the bug, there's a vehicle in both trailers. Um, 
That's my guess. Okay. But who knows? Um, uh, Zolomar Duena also posted a heartfelt video right after the strike was announced saying that um, because of the strike, he won't be doing any promotion for the movie, but thanked the entire cast and crew and directors and um, all the fans and everything. And, you know, basically said, if you're a fan, if you want to see this movie, like I can't promote it, but you can. So, yeah. you know, tell your friends and all that kind of stuff. So, um, kind of a bummer for this guy, honestly. Uh, you know, just about horrible to start timing. His, his, his big break, and he's the first, um, you know, Latin American person to lead a, a, a superhero film, big budget yeah. superhero film. Um, that's a big deal. But, you know, solidarity with your unions, nothing you can do about it. Just yeah. And that, I mean, and Cholo is like, that's really the first thing he's done, right? Uh, he was on uh, the Karate Kid show. Oh, okay, and Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, yeah, yep. that's what it's called. Yep. Gotcha. Um, and, and I don't. I've I'm never seen depth, that show. Uh, so. No, neither have I. But I've heard it's great. Nice. I've heard it's great. And I heard he was good on it. I did also hear um, that this trailer was great after watching it. I told myself. Yeah, that's I where this, I heard it from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard it from my own brain. Yep. Um, yeah, I thought this was good. I thought the trailer showed a little too much. I feel That's like it kind of is one of those. It's one of those trailers that maybe showed you the entire movie, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which can be a good thing or a, a bad that, thing. Like, yeah, sometimes it's they a movie do that. that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, sometimes they do that to like. I don't know if they're not confident in it. They show a right. little too much, but I don't know. It seemed like the pieces were all there. So here's the hope. Yeah, here's the hope, and I hope, and I. I remember I said this in, I think I posted a, a clip from our flash review recently and uh, talking about how, and you just mentioned this, like, will the box office flop of the flash affect blue beetle? I really hope that it doesn't. I, uh, because I think this movie looks good. It's a separate thing from the DCU that everyone else is tired of. And, um, it looks fun and funny. Uh, it looks bright. The effects look good. Um, you know, I, like you said about the Flash, I don't know that's going to be cinema, right. um, but uh, it does look like it's going to be a fun movie. But our audiences just um, have they thrown up their hands with the DCU and anything that's remotely attached to it for right now? Um, Reported uh, budget's only 120, so quote unquote that's, only 120 million. Hey, that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. I want more movies like that. Yeah. Oh, dude, um, that's that's half the battle at this point. Is like, why yeah. are you throwing three hundred million dollars at a movie, like right that you can film for yeah. a lot less? I saw somebody on Twitter say movies used to look a lot more real before people tried so hard to make them look real. Yes. Right. Like and, and you're the spending effects... so much money on CGI, just go outside. <laughs> you know, and go right. out, find a mountain for, and film yeah, it for there. half the cost you could fly people to Nepal and go film in like the Himalayas yeah exactly <laughs> like sure it's cheaper to do CGI but it looks like dog shit we can all tell right you know um, yeah Mount Wendigore should have uh, been in the Alps like yeah fly yeah. people over there <laughs> film it good yeah um, so I, don't know, I hope this movie does well I'm excited for it um, like you know the trailer does give maybe a little bit too much away but um i I hope it does i hope it does well i'm I'm gonna go see it as soon as i as soon as i can for sure so nice um tell your friends about blue beetle um speaking of movies looking more real and uh, people going outside to shoot things i saw mission impossible dead reckoning part one uh which features if you've seen any of the trailers or watch this is i'm not i'm not gonna give spoilers 
I don't consider this a spoiler because it's been all over the place. Features Tom Cruise riding a motorcycle off of a cliff and then turning it into a base jump uh, with a parachute, um, which was incredible. <laughs> like Even though I'd seen it before in trailers and I saw a behind-the-scenes featurette that they released like five months ago, I still thought it was great in the, mo- in the theater. Um, this movie's good. This movie's long. It's uh, like two hours and 40 minutes. There's a lot of setup. I felt like it started a little slower than some of the other Mission Impossible movies. And I kind of realized that this is Dead, Dead Reckoning Part 1. They are filming, or they were filming Part 2 until the strike happened. Yeah. Part 2 was supposed to come out next year. I can't imagine it's going to come out next year now. But um, the uh, there's a lot of like exposition. And I think that's because they have to set up this movie and they have to set up Part 2 at the same time. Because there's going to be a lot of payoff in Part 2 for things that did not get paid off in Part 1 which made the beginning, the first act felt felt a little clunkier, a little sweatier, a mm-hmm. little slower to me personally. There were certainly, they certainly made up for that, um, you know, 10 times over with the amount of uh, great uncompromising action, uh, car chases through the streets of Rome and, you know, motorcycle jumps off of cliffs and there's a whole train sequence at the end, which is exceptional, I think. That was very good. Um didn't completely have my heart beating out of my chest like the you know fallout did um mission possible fallout um but certainly something that i'm very excited to see again i want to watch it again um there i'll say the other negative thing i'll say about it is that there were a couple tropes i'm not gonna say what they are um uh just things that have been done to death in other movies that i'm kind of sick of uh this movie there's two two tropes that they utilize that i just am sick of and uh, don't like it all. Um, Haley Atwell joins the cast. I liked her in this more than I've ever liked her in anything, including the Captain America movies. I thought she was great. Um, her, she plays off Tom Cruise really well. Nice. Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy, she's excellent in this movie. She's like a henchman. She's ruthless. She's a badass. She's great. I hope she continues on to other movies. I'm also uh, the, very disappointed that she cannot continue to promote this movie because... If you have not seen various, there's probably two or three clips now of her promoting this. And like there was another one from the past that I had sent Mike earlier about her uh, knocking Chris Hemsworth, like mocking him and like knocking him down a peg. And then he sent me this uh, wonderful, (laughs) wonderful promotion that her and Simon Pegg had done for um, for this movie. Like she is a gem. She was. Yeah, she was giving an interview um, with an unsuspecting, you know, just interview somebody from an yep. outlet, a news outlet or something. Uh, but Simon Pegg had a microphone backstage and was feeding her lines, telling her to say just insane things, mm-hmm. responding to this <laughs> poor interviewer uh, as a prank. It was very funny. She was very committed to it. Um, uh, and so uh, she's excellent in it. Um, I love Rebecca Ferguson. She's great in it. I, you know, the whole, you know, the whole crew is uh, back. The... The the whole setup is the the hardest thing to buy about this movie isn't the uh, the insane stunts for me it was like the the premise um, of like the villain and what's happening is just like that was like the hardest thing to buy is almost a little more like sci fi than the other ones have been okay um, but not completely unrealistic but just you know and it, i think i think they know that too because they like explain it like 
several times or several scenes of exposition to try to like make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, uh, but like I said, hopefully all that exposition in this movie helps number two, just like hit the ground running, um, and go because you don't have to do it as much because you did it in part one. Um, I love this franchise. This was like my one of my most anticipated movies of the summer. Um, it didn't my I went in with completely sky high expectations, so I want to see it again. I liked it a lot. Not my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Certainly not the worst. I think it's been it's. I saw somebody there's literally I saw two different I saw someone screenshotted two posts from Variety like the entertainment outlet Variety. Yep. One said Mission Impossible underperforms with only making this amount of money domestically and then the other one from the same account said mission impossible raking in this insane amount of money worldwide and like dominating the box like what what are you do what are you <laughs> what, are, what you are you doing, doing? these yeah. this, you're the same thing what yep. are you doing variety you're t- two different opinions of the same thing so like i don't know i don't know what's real <laughs> i don't right. know what box office uh looks like anymore um, but I think this is the highest, it's one of the highest openings for the series so far behind like, um, I don't know, Mission Impossible 2 or something, right. which wasn't great. Um, is my least favorite of the entire series, but I think hot off number mine. one. I can't remember. You think three was yours, your least favorite? I think so. Oh, three, but we can agree to disagree. I think, I don't know. I know there was Three's one the of one those. With- one of those early two or three was like the one that turned me off until like a year ago when you were like, no, go back and watch those. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, wait, two they is, are good. I find two to be very boring. Which one was and, two? Uh, two uh, is one that was directed by John Woo. Uh, it's where Tom Cruise is like climbing a mountain in the beginning. Okay. Um, yeah. That's Andy Newton is of. in it. Yeah. yeah. The three is the one with Philip Seymour Hoffman as the. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, that one. Is it's got weird color timing. It's got like weird yeah, like not early two thousands. Much better than two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, this is the year of Rebecca Ferguson. Like uh, she has why? this, and then she's, she's in Silo on Apple Plus, Apple TV Plus. Oh yeah. And then Dune Part Two is coming out in November. Oh, that's right. She's in Dune. Yeah. So like, yeah, she plays Lady Jessica in Dune. So it's like she is everywhere uh yeah right now she is great yeah she's great um moving into some marvely stuff this uh dropped earlier in the week to just me my my uh adult self and my childhood self just both leapt up and high-fived yes <laughs> I saw this. we got the first official photo of hugh jackman in costume on the set of deadpool 3 in costume as wolverine and we all remember the uh, first x-men movie where of course these guys got to be cool they can't be wearing bright colors we got to put them all in black leather and we're so confident in this decision that they ought to be wearing black leather suits that we're gonna make a joke about how dumb the actual comic book uh costumes are by wolverine or uh cyclops saying like yeah. oh what kind of costume did you expect yellow spandex ha <laughs> ha yellow spandex a bright yellow costume on wolverine that would look and, terrible and all of us when they when he said that we're like no yeah that's that's what we wanted <laughs> yeah 
And that's what we got, because holy crap, we got a photo of Hugh Jackman walking beside uh, Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds in full Deadpool costume, Hugh Jackman in a bright yellow with blue uh, highlights, mm-hmm. uh, Wolverine costume that looks like straight out of the comic book, and god damn it, it looks amazing. I never knew, I never realized how much I wanted to see that Yep. until I saw that picture, uh, 100% honesty. I like, still I still would like them to take the tops of the sleeves off, like to give them the actual comic accurate, like well, cut it here in the gloves. But yeah, I actually heard that he has some kind of like skin condition or something where he's oh, like yeah. susceptible to like skin sun skin cancer or something. So they had to cover him up. So he like oh. preferred the long sleeves. So I, I, that could be wrong. I read that on, you know, Twitter. So who knows? The interwebs are never right. wrong. Like, you know this. Yeah, you're um, right. that's true. So we did get originally we had thought we were going to see the 80s classic maroon and yellow uh after the what is it wolverine was it the wolverine's post-credit scene oh you mean brown and yellow or yeah the brown and yellow okay yeah 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 like the jim lee yeah, I, yeah that's my favorite wolverine suit it's yeah, a great I would one love that. but yeah. the apparently they decided to just go full-blown into the you know straight up yeah. 90s lean into it yeah, I mean, and they said that this is a multiverse movie, so like it could maybe it's not the same Wolverine that's got the brown and yellow suit at the end of I guess it's brown, the Wolverine yeah. movie. You know what I mean? Like it could be. Um, I don't know why my brain always processed that as like a dark maroon. Oh, I don't know. I always see it as brown. Hmm. I don't you know. made me rethink my entire um, childhood for, for a second there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think this looks great. Like you can even tell it's even got the little. Um, uh, holsters for the claws to come out on yeah. his gloves, which I, he's I never had before because like, he's oh, always okay. like, yeah, yeah, because the claws always come out of like between his knuckles, which is like easier to film it to have right. a practical claw just clenched in your fist. And but like, I love that you get the little things on top of the glove. Mm. Oh man, it looks so. Um, <laughs> I'm so excited. Oh, did you see Lego is putting out a? Uh, they did the Infinity Gauntlet. And they did the nano gauntlet. Oh, and they're putting yeah, out. Uh, they're putting out Wolverine's fist in the the glove and gauntlet with his claws yeah. extended. Yeah, with the claws extended. Yeah, that I'm looks really awesome. You gonna get? You pretty, gonna get it? I'm pretty sure I know because I I don't know if it's out now or if it's coming out, but I'm pretty sure I know what I'm gonna end up with for my birthday. Nice. So usually, what ends nice. up happening is like, is there a nerdy set that came out? Okay. Uh, my wife will yeah. buy that for me for that my, is what my nominal want. birthday present. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Hence Thor's hand um, right behind me. Yeah, that's right. Next to an awesome looking X-Wing. Yeah, that one was my own purchase because that was, well, it's a giant fine. X-Wing. What the hell? <laughs> treat your treat yourself. Treat yourself. Um, so, yeah, we know what uh, Wolverine's going to look like in Deadpool 3. He looks awesome. Um, Deadpool 3 also shut down production, obviously, because of the actor strike. Hot um, take. I think it's going to help. hundred <laughs> percent. I agree. I think it's going to help for sure. Uh, it's wild. Like the strike this happening right now, I feel like everything is going to change. Like the yeah. in, like when a deal is reached, the industry is going to be different. The like releasing things might be different. Any, every release date that we have right now is going to change. Everything's yep. going to be pushed. hundred percent. Unless something is done already. Like, like, you know, Blue Beetle's still coming out next month. I'm sure Aquaman, too, like you mentioned earlier, like, I'm sure that 
the filming of that movie is all completed. I'm sure they're just in post. So like that movie is yeah. going to come out for the rest of the year. But anything that I think doesn't I said this need to you, like crazy ADR or like right. amazing post work for the actors, like the stuff on the tail end of it, we're probably going to see some pretty shitty things coming out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Because like yeah, no reshoots, no nothing. And they're, the studios are probably going to be like, well, shit, we got to put this out. We got to get something out. Got to yeah. put something out. We're not making anything new. Um, I think I said this to you in a text, but uh, it's funny that like we've talked about how packed this summer is. This summer is a huge summer for movies. And it's funny because it is, but it's going to even out next year when we get nothing. (laughs) Like there's not going to be hardly anything I feel like coming out for a long time after this. Like things are way shut down. Um, uh, Something that I think benefits is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, personally for me, hundred percent. Um, we've been, um, hearing a few quotes from Bob Iger talking about how there's too much Marvel stuff. And, uh, he, uh, went, um, he, he went back to that. Well, again, uh, this week in an interview about, uh, Marvel's kind of diminishing returns, he said in our zeal to basically grow our content significantly to serve mostly our streaming offerings, we ended up taxing our people way beyond in terms of their time and their focus way beyond where they had been. Marvel is a great example of that. They had not been in the TV business at any significant level. Not only did they increase their movie output, but they ended up making a number of television series, and frankly, it diluted focus and attention. That is, I think, more of the cause than anything. So he's right in that I think that the TV shows and the extra movies diluted focus and attention, like kind of diluted the Marvel, the MCU brand. I agree with that. What I don't agree with is that Marvel had not been in the TV, TV business at any significant level. Hello, how many how many seasons of Agents of Shield are there? How many seven. like we get? Yeah, seven seasons seasons of Agents of Shield plus Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Defenders, Punisher, all on Netflix. Like, yo, I, you can't say that's at any that's not significant, right? Um, but I, you know, he's clearly just looking at numbers and um you know noting noting the diminishing returns which i think is uh is accurate i think is accurate i i'm more interested almost almost more interested than anything else in seeing how this strike affects marvel and what they have announced like the stuff they announced last year at comic-con how much of that stuff even still happens right uh when it finally does happen they've already pushed back a ton of those movies twice uh, some of them have gotten pushed back a number of times like are they just going to give up on something like blade are they going <laughs> to give up on i don't know shang chi 2 like right i don't know i feel like they got to really make some hard choices and really streamline their stuff because but then at the same time like without all that filler to use to set up something like secret wars like what are you going to do how do you do that? I don't know. I mean, they set up all the other Avengers movies without having TV shows and stuff. Oh, they set you know them I mean? up great over the course of how many years? So, well, um, I don't know, man. But, but hey, you and I just, but also you and I just went on a huge rant last week about how like none of the post credit scenes seem to mean anything anymore. Right. And they're like not doing a good job. Of, they're not even currently. They're not doing a good job of setting up a through line for what they're doing or what they're building towards. So if they start maybe doing that more and really kind of honing in and like really yeah. 
put putting some pieces in it. Like, make a plan. Like, I feel like you must have some kind of plan if you got somebody writing two Avengers movies that aren't coming out for four years. But like, well, maybe you I don't see know, a major, start. major, major, major pivot with majors and. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a lot of majors. Sorry. Um, um, I know, but somebody like a studio like. Like the best thing right now, I think I said this in our flash review, the best thing for James Gunn's new DCU is the time that it's going to take between the flash coming out and Superman legacy coming out, which is already like two years. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, we're going to get the penguin. We're going to get the Waller series. We're going to get creature commandos, which is the first official DCU thing. But uh, we're not going to get a, a, after Aquaman, we're not going to get, a DC movie until Superman legacy in 2025, right. which I'm sure that's going to get pushed now because of the writer strike or the, because both strikes writers and actor strikes. So, um, I think it's going to be a thing where by the time we get to Superman legacy, everyone's going to be like, heck yeah, I'm in for this. Right. Great. But well, similar to you know, what we're dealing with right now with the star Wars stuff, like whenever they actually get yeah. around to putting out a new star Wars movie, I got a hunch people will go see it. Yeah, it's already been a few years since the Star Wars movie, and now it's going to be even more because those are going to get pushed too. Um, I mean, the difference there being with Marvel is that Marvel has put... Sorry, what were you saying? I was going to say, what was it, 2018 for Rise of Skywalker? Uh, 19, I 19? think, but still. Yeah. Feels like a longer time ago than that. Well, COVID um, was like two years and 17 yeah. years at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, the difference with Marvel is that they are kind of locked into the story that they've started telling... And they can't make big, you know, both like the other two big franchises we just mentioned, DC and Star Wars are at places where they are more or less resetting things or starting over or starting with new stories. Right. Um, whether it's a new universe or the same universe there, we're getting new stories. Marvel is getting their story that they've been telling slowly over the last couple of years interrupted like, how is that going to land? Are they just going to push everything out until 2029? We're going to get the next Avengers movie. Like, what's going to happen with the MCU? That's going to be interesting to see, I think. Agreed. Uh, one thing that's happening with an MCU actor. That's kind of a weak segue. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Ms. Ms. Marvel herself, Iman Vellani. Uh, played Ms. Marvel in the TV show Ms. Marvel, also playing her in The Marvels, due to come out this fall. Uh, as long as the strikes don't prevent it. Iman Vellani is going to write a new Ms. Marvel series for Marvel Comics, or co-write, I should say. Ms. Marvel, the character is currently dead, stupidly. Right. Um, but, you know, it's comics, so no one stays dead, except Uncle Ben. Uh, but uh, Ms. Marvel, The New Mutant, is a new miniseries coming out August... 2023. It's going to be written by Volani and Saber Prezada with art by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Uh, she was quoted as saying, this is way scarier than joining the MCU for me. Those projects feel like they live in their own dimension, so I guess I can separate myself easier. But you, you can hold a comic book. I've never written anything before in my entire life, but I've read many comics, so I just wrote what I would want to read. I was given a very professional tool uh, I was given a very professional tool to write what is essentially my own fan fiction. Um, and then a lot of people uh, came out of the woodwork, Marvel fans, uh, mutant fans, inhuman fans specifically, saying that uh, there are Ms. Marvel is not a mutant. For the record. Dozens. There are dozens of us. Um, uh, Ms. Marvel is not a mutant. Ms. Marvel is an inhuman. And uh, 
in spoiler alert for her MC for her show, they seem to hint that she was a mutant instead of an inhuman in the MCU. In the comic books, she's an inhuman, and a lot of people were mad that she's there's a book called The New Mutant. Um, with her as a star. Volani clarified, she said, despite the title of the series, they are not reconning Kamala, retconning Kamala Khan's inhuman heritage. So that makes it, what makes me wonder why they're calling it that. <laughs> why yeah, they're calling it the new mutant weird. if they're not going to um, make her mutant. But who knows? I mean, if you, were, if you were Marvel, would you want to go anywhere near Inhumans with a 10-foot pole in the MCU? No. Not in the MCU, no. Yeah. But in comics, like... Right. I don't think the Inhumans have been around much in the comics since the failure of the series, but you know, Ms. Marvel's the most prominent. Well, they one tried anyway. to. They brought them back for. No, never mind. That was Eternals. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. Man, they pushed Eternals so hard. They were trying so hard to get us to care about the Eternals, and I don't yeah, think it the really Avengers. Worked. I like that uh, movie. That whole AXE crossover and Judgment Day and yeah. all that, and yeah. And now, is there an Eternals book even on this being made right now? Uh, not. I don't off. think I don't there is. I believe there's an ongoing. I don't think there is. I haven't seen the name Eternals on a shelf in a really long time. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I don't believe Wild. right now there is an ongoing. Wild. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 2021. Get yourself was the together, last MCU. Got. Get yourself together. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, uh, another comic book story uh, big fans of this guy on this podcast James Tinian the fourth and artist Martin Simmons are working on a new Dracula book called Universal Monsters Dracula number one gonna be in stores this October just in time for spooky season it's a four issue limited series and uh, Tinian had this to say about it said the challenge in front of Martin and I is to take the bloody heart of the Universal Pictures classic and find a bold new way to bring the character to life. It's been one of the most exciting creative challenges of my life, and I am phenomenally excited for you to see the horrors we have in store for you. Okay. That's cool. I like James Tinian a lot. He's a great horror writer, as we know from Something is Killing the Children. And, uh, you know, Dracula, uh, the uh, goat vampire. Um, and I think, uh, you know, there's lots of, like, reinterpretations of Dracula, uh, Hold on. Based you on... just touched on something? Uh-huh. Can we actually get a comic book of him being a goat vampire? Not the greatest of all time vampire, but like an actual goat that just bites people? Well, in the original book, he's a sh- he can shapeshift into a wolf. Mm. And so why not a goat? Yeah. Sure. All right. Why not? I'd say, you know what? That's that's like a that's gonna be like an IDW imprint like half comic uh, tongue in cheek maneuver like yeah I I can see this being a book I think we're onto something Mike yeah yeah um Steve do you want to do our comic reviews now before we do the uh, what else is coming out in uh, comic book stores list yeah sure if you want yeah let's do it now and then we'll wrap up with the uh, what else is gonna be in stores and do some one shots uh do you want to go first or want me to go first. Who talks first? You you talk first? I talk first? <laughs> How do we do this? Who talks first? You can talk first. Hard to hear you with the whole <laughs> mask. All right. So um, this week, this is our first uh, um, comic review segment that we're doing, sponsored by Funky Town Comics. Preview review? Uh, Steve and I. Preview review, yeah. Review preview. 
Uh, Steve and I were both given uh, a different book. And uh, moving moving forward, we may decide to give a, uh, get the same book so we can share our thoughts on it. Um, but for this first week, uh, we were given different books. I was given uh, a new number one, Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder. Mm. Uh, now, there was uh, a lot of, um, you know, DC does these, Marvel does these, IDW even does these, I think, like um, anthology books. Uh, for some reason, I feel like black, white, and red have been, has become a, a thing. Like there's Deadpool, black, white, and red. There's Harley Quinn. There's Vader. I was going to say, I'm looking um, at the Darth Vader books right there. Yeah. And I think it's just because it looks very dynamic in a book when it's all black and white and the only actual color is red. It's a very like dynamic look similar to the cover of say. your Moon Knight so, book. Yeah. So I was, I, I got uh, Moon Knight City of the Dead, which uh, is going to be the new, um, a, a new event for Moon Knight that uh, has a very similar color palette on the cover, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very dynamic. It works, right? It just, it just works. Um, so this is uh, I usually, I used to love, um, you know, and DC's done like Superman, uh, red, white, and blue, and Batman, black and white, and Wonder, you know. So like, yep. doing an anthology book with limited color palette is a thing. Uh, which I sometimes enjoy, but I feel like a lot of times either there's too many short stories that I get bored and I don't want to actually finish reading the book. Um, you know, and companies do that when they do like, you know, we're celebrating Green Arrow's 80th anniversary or something. Here's a uh, an oversized book with like 10 different short Green Lantern stories or Green Arrow stories. I'm like, oh, that's fun, but maybe they're kind of too short to really get anything out of them or, yeah. you know, they're like up and down. I really like this a lot. I think there's only like three stories in it. Uh, three or four, maybe three. Um, so it gives the creative team like enough pages to like really come up with something interesting. Um, uh, Chip Zdarsky and Kevin McGuire are the team on the first story, Man of Steel, in which Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy try to break into the Fortress of Solitude <laughs> and rob it, uh, okay. which is just like a bonkers thing that like you wouldn't write uh, a whole mini series about that really but yeah you can get away with it if it's just a short story in a harley quinn um, book there's one that is about her training to be a gymnast and uh fighting kind of like a fighting against a corrupt and abusive coach uh which is very interesting um because you know we it is part of her harley's origin that she is a, a gymnast um but we i feel like we forget about that because her origin is so hooked on her being uh, a psychotherapist to you know the Joker and inmates of Arkham Asylum, um, and then uh, Paul Shearer and Nick Giovanetti and artist Tom Riley do one about her reteaming with some other older uh, Joker nemeses. Um, oh, sorry, not nemeses, uh, but like uh, sidekicks and stuff like that, which is a cool uh, reference uh, point to some of those older characters. So basically, uh, I like this a lot. Like and something like the Vader, the newest Vader, black, white, and red. I liked too because it had less stories than I thought. Like having only, like I yeah. said, having only three stories in this really made it. Um, you know, you can really kind of sink your teeth into something more than right. just like a four-page in and out kind of thing. Yeah, like those um, first Vader's so like, had like five or six in them, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not as much as I thought. And even when uh, Jesse gave me this, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll see. I ended. I just I liked it way more than I thought because you get more character stuff out of it, and you get different sides of the character. You get uh, you know, the humor, you, you know, you can be funny, but you can also be, you know, you get in-depth look at her background and stuff. You get real character stuff 
um, and it's not just kind of like frivolous storytelling. So I think if you are a fan at all of Harley Quinn, this is definitely a book uh, that is worthy of your time to be picked up because, and you know, also the cool thing about an anthology based on one character is you get different like artistic interpretations of the character. You get different um, uh, written interpretations of the character and all, you know, a lot of these comic book characters, they are so malleable. It's part of the reason that they've survived for 60 or 80 years. Um, You know, there are different interpretations of them and uh, it really kind of shows in a book like this. So um, I recommend if you're a DC fan or a Harley Quinn fan, Harley Quinn, black, white and redder, it's called Redder because they already did like a six issue mini called Black, White and Red. And this is like a sequel to that mini series. Um, and it's number one in that. It comes out this week. You pick it up at Funky Town Comics. Harley Quinn, Black, Right and Redder. Thumbs up from Mike Gibson of the Multiverse Report. So for part two of our two part review series uh, from the other the other of the big two Marvel uh, Moon Knight City, the dead. Uh, I've always been an on and off fan of uh, Mr. Knight himself. Yeah. Um, So in this, he uh, uh, ends up fighting the Sons of the Jackal in the City of the Dead, the eponymous, uh, you know, other other realm. Uh, And it Mm -hmm. is the first appearance of the new Scarlet Scarab from the uh, from the MCU. So if you remember from the show, Layla Alpha El Fayawi uh, is the new Scarlet Scarab in the show. She is now officially the new Scarlet Scarab in the comics as well. Oh, so cool. this is a mini that's going to be tied to the ongoing uh, Moon Knight series that they have. I think they're about 25 episodes or 25 episodes, 25 issues in. Um, this is kind of a little spinoff in there. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it very much focused on Mark and the uh, his trying to track down the Sons of the Jackal. Um, very yeah. straightforward book on a Moon Knight scale, but uh, pretty solid setup. And I I enjoyed from from all the problems that the Moon Knight series had. I did enjoy um, the Layla character. So I'm good to see, or I'm glad to see yeah. they're kind of bringing her into the 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 Moon Knight verse, if you will. Nice. So let me ask you because mine, um, another reason that uh, the Harley Quinn one is a good pickup, yep. because is because you don't need because they're just separate stories, they're not tied into anything. They're just like short little yeah. stories, including the character that you like, and you can read it without knowing what's going on. Because this is your Moon Knight book is a spinoff of you said what's going on in like the main Moon Knight series. Did you find so that I, you yeah. were confused or was like, is this like a, if someone was just like, Hey, I saw that moonlight Moon Knight series and I want a book. Can they walk in and, and jump into this? No problem. Or is there a little background they have to do? So the new ongoing, I had picked up like maybe the first three of, and then hadn't, uh, hadn't read anything since. Yeah. And it was a decent jumping on point. Like it, they, okay. they gave you enough, um, you don't get the the weird complexities that you would get with Moon Knight in other contexts. But yeah. if you're looking at, you know, baseline Moon Knight, Mr. Knight, what they're doing with, uh, you know, the City of the Dead and whatnot, it, it was it's a much more straightforward tale, but it's not bad in any stretch. Like I would definitely, you know, if you're interested in Moon Knight, uh, I would say pick it up. 
um, written by David Popo's uh, art by Mar- Marcelo Ferreira, Jay Lyston, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, so that's that's coming out on Wednesday as well. But nice. you know, not um, if you're not interested in Moon Knight, it's not one that's like go pick this up now. You need to read it. It's it's an A plus. It's not gonna, but it's if you change your mind, right? If you're if you're into the mythos, I would 100 percent say like well yeah. worth a grab. Oh, nice, cool. All right, well, you can get both these at uh, Funky Town Comics this Wednesday. They are open from noon to 8. It's a new comic book day, Wednesdays, so um, check them out. I will be there either Wednesday or Thursday Mm -hmm. uh, to pick up a couple of these books that are coming out this week. What else is coming out this week? Uh, We got Alien number four. We got Batman Superman World's Finest number 17. We got Black Panther number two. We got Blade number one, a new number one. Blade Blue Beetle number one special re-release edition of the first Blue Beetle number one. I think to start tying stuff into that movie. Darkwing Duck number seven. Guardians of the Galaxy number four. Harley Quinn Black, White, and Red are number one of six. I just gave you a whole view of it. Hawk Girl number one. Great timing you know, for a uh, of, announcement of the- a lot of these between Hawk Girl and Blade and Blue Beetle and like. I think yeah. we're onto something here where they keep relaunching these. When uh... honestly, I think the Hawk Girl is coincidence because yeah. I don't think anyone, you know, making a comic takes a long time. So I don't think any eight months ago was like let's start making a Hawk Girl book now because James Gunn is going to cast Isabella Merced on July, you know, thirteenth or whatever. Yeah. Um. Uh, we've got more Night Terrors, the DC um, event happening. Uh, Night Terrors Catwoman, Night Terrors Nightwing, Night Terrors Punchline, Night Terrors Superman, Night Terrors Wonder Woman all coming out. Um, I'm reading some of those books. Some of them are good. Some of them are meh. Yep. Um, I haven't picked up all of them, but, you know, hit or miss. Um, the aforementioned Moon Knight, City of the Dead, number one of five. Uh, Red Sonia, volume seven, number one. Something is Killing the Children, number 31. Been a long time since an issue of Something is Killing the Children. Excited to jump back into that story. Star Trek Day of Blood, number one. It's a pretty dark title for a Star Trek book, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, Star Wars Dr. Aphra, number 34. Star Wars Return of the Jedi, The Rebellion, number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin Lost Day Special, number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus Street Fighter, number two. The Vigil, number three, a book I'm a fan of. Uh, and X-Men Red, number 13, all going to be in the local comic book stores this Wednesday. Steve, you're mentioning that you uh, read a ton of stuff this week. It's <laughs> not not normally like you. Is everything okay? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was what I was doing, but uh, literally for the first time in a while, within a week, read everything that I bought at Funky Town. Wow. So and Crazy. and weirdly, even more weird, none of it was on my poll. <laughs> like i bought three i bought three books That's great and none of them were on my poll and i actually read all of them so congratulations uh with an awesome cover x-men doomsday uh the that is really cool yeah it's uh leading up to days of future past or um yeah days of future past doomsday number one uh mm-hmm. good book really brings kitty to the forefront um oh, awesome. who Love i mean kate, sorry uh now kate pride um kate, yeah is uh you know it, it's it's really well done and bringing her right back to the fore of she's kind of the Good. narrator of the story 
which is even nice. even better. Um, and it kind of it's looking at the lead up into uh, what happened in Days of Future Past. So anyone awesome. who's familiar with the X Men should probably understand that at least. So you figure it out. Uh, <laughs> hunger and hunger and the hunger and the dusk. Oh, interesting. Uh, saw the cover was randomly. Uh, I guess grab my attention. It's an IDW imprint. Uh, G Willow Wilson. Oh, so Poison Ivy. Yep. Uh, and and his Marvel fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. So G Willow Wilson, Chris Wild Goose and Miss Asik, uh, on an Indian print. That's kind of a D and D ask romp, which is not what I expected and cool at the same time. So nice. Definitely recommend that. And the uh, gem of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Stranger Things crossover. Oh, you did it. I did. Awesome. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, ah, I'll give it a shot. Um, works extremely well with the 80s theme because mm-hmm. it is not your sure. not your Saturday morning cartoon turtles. It literally it threw me off at first because the cover has a red bandana turtle on it, but they're wielding katanas. Oh, and then I had the moment of realization of like, oh, wait, this is Eastman and Laird's like because Stranger Things is in the 80s. It's the OG Turtles from the Eastman and Laird comics with so the Hawkins kids go to New York and end up finding Demogorgons in the sewer or Demodogs in the sewer. (laughs) And uh, hilarious leads leads them to find the turtles and one thing leads to another and oh, awesome. I, it was good enough that i will probably pick up issue two wow so wow okay actually all three of them Great. were were good reads so nice well congrats on getting through a pull list yeah how about um, you anything anything on your neck of the woods uh i think i read some stuff that came out like two weeks ago <laughs> i haven't uh caught up this with. is the most up-to-date um, on comics i've been in years yeah i am falling way behind so i'm gonna put in some time this week and read a bunch of stuff for sure but um no i read this i read harley quinn black white and redder there you go <laughs> definitely definitely read that one <laughs> um let's gonna cruise through some one shots and wrap up i feel like we're gotta be close to an hour and a half right at this point uh yeah one hour and 26 minutes currently yeah all right wow sorry people i mean thank you <laughs> for listening um <laughs> we apologize for uh, talking at you yeah hey like we said it's gonna be the last Oh, we think we're assuming it's going to be the last big week of nerd news for a while. So, um, you know, might as well go out with a bang. Um, Marvel and EA's Cliffhanger Games have announced a new Black Panther game. It's going to be a third person single player Black Panther game with all new original story currently in development. That is all of the information that exists. It's just happening. Um, this made me excited because, um, you know, those Spider-Man games are fun and the new one looks great. They teased a Wolverine game a long time ago. Then just that tiny teaser made my uh, heart jump out of my chest in a way I hadn't felt since I was 16 <laughs> uh, for that character. And I, Black Panther, I think, is a great character to base a video game around. 100%. Like, he's he's just different from the other two enough to make it more interesting, right. I think. Um, but also... Uh, cool enough and has enough cool powers and interesting settings to just make a super fun, awesome game. Yeah. Like, I want to be running through the streets of Wakanda chasing after Ulysses Claw or something. Like, that's going to be great. 
And what a great way to like, you know, who knows when the next time we're going to make a Black Panther movie is going to be. You know, we're talking about everything Marvel's getting delayed. They just put out one next last year. So like probably not get another one for a long time. So, you know, got to keep some Black Panther content out there other than the books. So absolutely, yeah, I'm all I'm all in for a Black Panther game. That works. Um, something I'm all in for. Uh, Star Wars Young Jedi Adventures is returning with new episodes on August 2nd. So uh, the kids show, I know if you're longtime listeners, you've heard Mike and I talk about numerous times. So these studios should probably think more about putting more kids shows out. Uh, This is Star Wars latest foray into that. Young Jedi Adventures is an animated show aimed at preschool and kindergarten age kids taking place during the High Republic era. Uh, The first six episodes came out uh, maybe two months ago or so. Um, Watch them with my son. Nice, you know. Uh, far from a uh, deep, uh, deep show by any stretch, but I would uh, take that over, you know, Paw Patrol any day. So yeah. we're uh, we're he he was a huge fan of them, and uh, we're excited for that coming back. It's yeah. no it's no Bluey, um, but it's it's good. Yeah, it's no Bluey. All there were new Bluey episodes. Yeah, oh, yeah. At Disney Plus this week too. Um, speaking of, while we're speaking of kids, I meant to say this at the top of the episode when we were doing business, but you just reminded me, um, while we're shouting out our sponsor, Funky Town Comics and Vinyl, if you are in the, uh, Syracuse area, you should know that Funky Town Comics is sponsoring what they're calling a, uh, library Comic-Con, first one ever at the Salve Public Library. Um, it's going to be like a one night event. It is, uh, what is the date here? July 31st. July 31st at 6 p.m., Salve Public Library. Um, uh, a fun one-night event where each kid is given five tickets to, quote-unquote, purchase a bunch of fun reading material and art. Salve Public Library and Funky Town Comics and Vinyl with special guest uh, star comic artist Chris Bruner will be hosting the event. Um, Salve Public Library meant for ages pre-K through 18, encouraging you know just reading and stuff. Um through the community there's going to be a mario kart tournament uh winners getting a prize for that and uh cosplay is encouraged so if you have a kid and want to expose them to comics or just more reading in general or just looking for something to do um <laughs> with your kid on uh july 31st you can check out uh, the library comic-con at salve public library hosted I, by funky town comics i know we'll be there so we will definitely be there yeah um Last one shot for tonight. James Gunn has confirmed that Doom Patrol Season 4 Part 2 will still be aired. It's been a while since Doom Patrol Part 1 came out. And uh, I, was, I wasn't I was panicking, but I was starting to question when we're not getting anything about Part 2. And Titans Part 1 and 2 already came out, and that show's over. Uh, Doom Patrol is the much better show, and uh, no news about it. Um, apparently, he was getting a lot of James Gunn was getting a lot of questions. Um, he was responding to people on threads, saying, uh, "People have asked me this a few times this morning. I'm not sure what it refers to. I'm neck deep in Superman and Creature Commandos, not focused on day to day TV scheduling. But I can't imagine a world where completed episodes are not going to be released." Well, James, you should look back at the news about when your boss David Zaslav took over Warner Brothers, and then you might be able to imagine the fact that things that are completed are not getting released because he did that a bunch. <laughs> and, yep. uh, you know, that's why we're asking this question. But then later he came back to the same platform and said, I have now I now have confirmation, as I surmised, 
Doom Patrol episodes are absolutely not being shelved, even though the premiere date for the next shows haven't been announced to the public. So still coming. We don't know when, but they're still coming. Along with uh, Harley Quinn episodes are coming, I think, later this summer. And uh, yeah, so that's still happening, which is good news for fans of that show. Um, oh, this is the one thing, for some reason when I was reading that, I thought of this when we were talking about the Flash uh, bombing yep. and losing Warner Brothers like $200 million or something like that. Remember when they canceled Batgirl? Because yep. they thought it was unre- unreleasable mm-hmm. and they thought it would going to damage the DC brand. Mm-hmm. And instead they put all their chips behind a movie that is now the biggest flop in the history of Warner Brothers. Interesting. Yeah. Just interesting. That's all I'm saying. Maybe yeah. they should just put out the Batman movie instead. Well, movie yeah. with Batman in it, I mean. But whatever. They did put out the movie whatever. with Batman in it. They, yeah, they did. You're right. They put out a movie with two Batman in it. Three. Four. A lot. <laughs> a lot of Batman. All in of Flash. the Batman. <laughs> Small spoiler for The Flash. There's a lot of Batman in it. Various levels of participation. Anyway, I think that's all we got, but despite it being after 11 o'clock, um, Steve and I are so dedicated to this that we are going to record a second episode after this. If you're watching live on YouTube, we're going to do a quick, and I'm saying quick because I'm tired, Same. a quick recap of Secret Invasion episode four. Um, and the other reason it'll be quick is that I watched it uh, a Wednesday and I don't remember too much about it, so we'll uh, kind of blaze through it. Um, just to keep that up. So stay tuned for that. If you're watching live, thank you and stay tuned. Um, if you're just listening, look in your feed for the uh, Secret Invasion recap. And um, yeah, that's all we got, Steve. I think, right? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, feel free to leave us a review at uh, Apple Podcasts or on YouTube or wherever you're watching your podcatcher of choice. Uh, appreciate it it helps us you know trick the computer into telling more people about us uh we're all about tricking the computer here uh ai is overrated when it comes to producing things (laughs) like this so uh, we gotta keep gotta keep rolling um if you want to get hold of us multiverse support at gmail.com multiverse support.com multiverse support on almost all of the socials uh depending on what iteration of twitter you feel like talking to this week yep yep Uh, So that's it for now. So until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in the multiverse.